You are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. Instead of entering the NFL, they joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. You can find me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Joining me, as always, is Matt Williamson. Follow him on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. Matt, how are you doing today? I am outstanding. We have our first ever guest on the Locked On Dynasty podcast, so let's get rolling. That's right. We're, we're going to waste no time. Excited to have uh, one of my good friends in this industry, Travis May. Travis is the lead writer for college and NFL draft content over at Rotoviz. Uh, also the host of the College to Canton podcast on the Rotoviz uh, radio network. Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Glad to join the show. And I guess I, I did not realize I was the first guest since you guys have made the transition to the new Locked on Dynasty show. So glad to be here. Glad, honored, honored to be here. So, yeah. 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 Well, Travis, you are certainly one of my go-to, uh, go-to resources when it comes to college scouting, NFL draft, Devi stuff. And it's it's that time of year. We've talked about it a lot on this show that uh, many dynasty players are starting to look to that 2021 draft. Maybe the season didn't go well for them. And uh, out, outside of the playoffs, they're thinking about that rookie draft pick they have. So we've got you here today to school us and to school all our listeners on what we can expect, at least from that first round. Today, we're going to look at the top 12 players, according to Travis, for a Superflex Dynasty rookie draft in 2021. And we're going to do a countdown of sorts, Travis. Of course, we we always start at the number one pick, the 101. We're going backwards today, though. Have a little suspense and, and a little drama. We're going to start with the number 12 player. So this, uh, if you want to think about this as rankings, if you want to think about it as a one-man mock draft, all pretty much the same. Travis, who is your number 12 prospect in the Superflex format for 2021? So for Superflex, it's it's tough because I, I want to throw like half a dozen quarterbacks in here, but I don't think all of them are <laughs> going to uh, commit. But we got we're in a weird class where we could see seriously four, five, six first round quarterbacks next year based on what's going on this fall, uh, for multiple reasons. And so it's going to be tough. But I'm probably not going to cram all of those quarterbacks in here. But there are going to be some names that probably deserve here deserve to be in that conversation. But but my number twelve, and he was way higher coming into this season. Uh, for Superflex is going to be Tuba Hubbard, running back out of Oklahoma State. I mean, it, it, if you haven't really heard of this guy just yet, <laughs> he had like, you know, 2,100 rushing yards just a year ago. Uh, definitely should have won every award that you possibly could. Didn't because, you know, there was another guy who put up like 2,000 yards last year named Jonathan Taylor and some really other good players all over college football. But Tuba Hubbard has not, you know, he's been getting the volume this year, but he's in some ways disappointed uh, as far as projecting future NFL draft capital. Uh, he's actually catching fewer passes than he was, and he wasn't catching a lot before. So uh, you really like to, for fantasy football, seeing, you know, we like to see a more 
well-rounded uh, feature back who's got the size and everything. Uh, he was already only 208 pounds last year, and they were actually talking about him actually playing around 200, which is at six foot, that's kind of skinny for the NFL as well. So he's not really got the feature back size. He has the sprinter speed. I mean, he, he could be on the you know Canada Olympic team for sprinting. He's that fast. But, um, he, you know, he's not going to put up the same bonkers numbers this year. Uh, based on what he's doing, unless something completely changes. This past weekend, he got dinged up, and L.D. Brown, uh, for uh, for uh, you know his teammate, his backfield mate, took over. But uh, he's seeing the volume. He's just not seeing the success that he had last year. And that's that's a question. And even in a weaker class for running backs, he's not a top-two option. Uh, he was for me coming into the year, but running back uh, maybe three or four at this point. I, I'm thinking about putting a couple other guys over him now. But he, he just squeaks in, in in the 12th slot for me this year. Do you see him being a high workload guy at the next level? I'm, I don't think we have a lot of precedent to, unless he puts on some weight. Uh, it, it, maybe he's Jamal Charles, but if he's not Jamal Charles, uh-huh. then no. And so I, it, at least at the very beginning, and we, we're more impatient than ever, right? So I don't think right away he's going to be given the reins if he comes in and actually weighs 205 pounds at six feet and doesn't have a crazy solid receiving profile to go along with it in his final season. Yeah, maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just associating the school here, but Justice Hill is what I'm hearing. Yeah, he is bigger than Hill, but I, I think he's still going to get the draft capital, and Hill just missed the day two capital that we like to see. But I think who, uh, Chuba Hubbard, just because this is a weaker running back class, he's going to be a day two guy, and because of that, he's going to go in in the fringe of the first round this year regardless, most likely, and just because there's not very many other options outside of a couple other guys I'll get to, but... But yeah, it, it's frustrating that he's not, you know, taking that next step. Yeah, and of course Hubbard, you mentioned it, Travis. Hubbard was one of those players we thought would be in that 2020 draft class, along with Najee Harris, along with Kylan Hill, uh, and a couple of the wide receivers as well. And all those guys went back to yeah. school. It it actually looked like a good decision at that point because the the 21 uh, running back class is is just so yeah. thin. But Hubbard hasn't hasn't been able to take advantage. Tell us about your number eleven player. So my number eleven player, and I'm so glad that I get to finally put a tight end into the into the discussion again, because <laughs> this year's tight ends were absolutely atrocious. It was just like when Cole Komet is the first tight end off the board, you know it's a really bad tight end class. Uh, so Kyle Pitts <laughs> out of Florida is going to be my tight end one running away this year. It, it, coming into the season, you know you could have had Brevin Jordan, Pat Farmuth in that conversation. I think. You know, I, I mentioned this yesterday on a different show, but like if you if Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski had a kid, it would be Kyle Pitts. Like that's, that's pretty good. Like that's the kind of potential he just dunks on kids every single weekend and makes it makes it look stupid easy. Like he's missed a game already this year, but he still has eight touchdowns. Like he he's he's having if you like production metrics, he's already accounting for more than thirty three percent of the team's touchdowns and he's and like almost uh i guess almost a quarter of the team's receiving yards so he's checking like receiving production boxes at the tight end position which is that's almost unprecedented like college tight ends don't produce at elite levels and the ones that do get top tier draft capital and kill it for fantasy football for real football he he just does everything and he lines up everywhere all, all over the field he can be in line he can be your x wide receiver he can be a big slot he is the perfect NFL tight end, tight end prospect. He's he's a top ten pick. He's a top ten NFL. He's pick? a top ten NFL draft pick. Like okay, like, uh, there's I, I don't I don't see a way that he doesn't go inside the top ten picks next spring. 
Dynasty players have to definitely be careful with, with young tight ends. We, we know the narrative and the history there that they typically take sometimes years to develop and, and really become uh, fantasy viable. But Kyle Pitts might be an exception here. How high can you see? I mean, when we're doing rankings in, in February, March, April, certainly after the NFL draft, how high in tight end rankings, dynasty tight end rankings, can you see Pitts being ranked and being valued? Well, considering like after the, I think from tight end four to tight end like 26 or something, there's like a, in terms of average PPR fantasy points per game, there's only a four point spread. Uh, I could, I could see him yeah. immediately locking into tight end six, tight end five, you know, that kind of range. I don't know by the summer and in, in dynasty drafts, like I, I could see that happening even, even higher, especially if he does, you know, kill the combine. Like I think he will. What's your hunch on his 40 time? I think he's a long strider. And so those guys are yeah. hard to identify. Like, for the same reason that, you know, people were joking about Claypool being a tight end. Like, we didn't see that on film. That, oh, like, yeah, that guy's like a 4-4. Like, the long striders that just eat up ground, you know, 10 yards at a time, like, don't always look the fastest. But I could see him being a 4-5-ish uh, tight end, like having that kind of crazy speed. I think it's probably like a 4-5-4 kind of tight tight end speed which is crazy fast for the position uh but i think he has that kind of ability he does seem twitchy though yes exactly like i think that'll be enough to get him to get him into that near five four or five range and i think he might really kill it in the in the the agility drills too so i think he could have a well-rounded combine and just smash it so we've got chuba hubbard at 12 kyle pitts the tight end from florida at 11 Number 10, Travis, who is it? A guy that might not actually end up as my even my quarterback three uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, but Trey Lance, I think because of where he's gotten in terms of real NFL draft discussion, uh, even though he's an FCS quarterback, even though his one game this year, to be honest, wasn't like blow you out of the water crazy good against Central Arkansas, Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State, uh, he's not Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had more of a complete resume, had won national championships and things. But Trey Lance throwing 20, I mean, we're going to hear this 500 times before the NFL draft, but you know, <laughs> 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions with like 1,100 rushing yards or something crazy to go with his bonkers efficiency as a passer. Uh, and what he's doing within that offense, I think, is what makes him so exciting because the North Dakota State offense and what they're asking him to do translates to today's NFL. So he's he's making checks, he's making things, he's making decisions that an NFL quarterback is going to have to make, but doing it at an FCS level. Um, and for those of you that don't really follow, F, follow FCS football, like North, North Dakota State just, they haven't lost a game in like, you know, four years or something. Like, it's just crazy. It's just, they're an insane program. They have like one loss or two losses in the last, in the last four or five years. It's bonkers. So what they're doing, it's, a, it's not like every other FCS program. So, Trey Lance, as much as there are going to be questions with his competition level, I think he still gets mid-first round selection, draft capital. And because of that, he he does get the QB3 tag probably and sneaks into the back end of Superflex rookie drafts next year. I've heard some, obviously he's going to be a really strange evaluation for scouts and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, just like none we can remember. But I've heard some Steve McNair comparisons. Is that his style of play? Oh, you know, I... As a Titans fan, I love that you mentioned that because I, I didn't even think about it. But you know, like, yeah, it's like it, it's a small school. There's all sorts of questions, 
but he he clearly oh. has it. He's got that tough. He can run, but he doesn't he doesn't go to that as a, as his first decision. Like he's looking to make a pass. Like that's the difference. Uh, that's the difference with the, with like a really good passer who can run uh, versus somebody who's looking to always run. And I think he, that's a great comparison. Okay. Yeah, I've kind of I kind of see a little, and obviously North Dakota State in a small school. I haven't seen as much of him as as many of these other players. But RG three a little bit. Do you see any of that, or is that way off? For I you, think Travis? he's already in a way better spot than RG three was, just mechanics wise, and and what translates nice. to the pros. Because I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when he came out, like the the Washington football team coaches were like, "Dude, this guy doesn't even know the difference between a three, five, and seven step drop." And that's not going to be the case <laughs> for Trey Lance. So I think he's already further along. He's more physical than RG2. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Travis. Number nine. This would be the 1.09 if we're talking about a super flex rookie draft in 2021. Yeah, so number nine, it's it's tough. And, and wide receiver is going to be such – I mean, I, I thought last year's – well, this class might be – the 2020 class might be historically good. Like what what they're doing already is just in, really just bonkers impressive. I think when when we get to the end of the year, it's going to be insane. But twenty twenty one, it's not going to be as strong, but it's pretty deep. It's it's got some older players in it, but it's got some really productive players in it as well. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Uh, I think people were burned because Tyler Johnson, like we wanted him to be a thing as as a collective fantasy football community. We we wanted him to get the draft capital, but you know he dropped to the fifth round and goes to a spot where, you know, there are two other alphas. And so, you know, it, we have short memories and, and, and we, we see Minnesota Gophers and we're a little worried. But Rashad Bateman is a different player. He's a better player. As a true freshman, Rashad Bateman was, was already challenging Tyler, Johnson tar- uh, Tyler Johnson's target share. And uh, Rashad Bateman was already saying, hey, look, guys, I'm a year younger than the guy that just posted like a 98th percentile production profile as a freshman. I'm taking his market share away. Like he was already better, and uh, he excelled even further and had like a 1,200 yard season in year two. Out of all college players, I have this metric called the adjusted production index. And coming into this year, out of all wide receivers in all of college football, he had the number three profile. Uh, and I think he's going to answer any questions that we had down the stretch here and have an, an even more impressive uh, market share and production metric heavy finish. Uh, as the Gophers don't have a really other, you know, solid option to go to outside of Chris Ottman Bell. So I really like Rashad Bateman. I think he'd be wise not to run his 40-yard dash at the Combine because I don't think he's got that speed. <laughs> but he does have it as a route runner and everything else. The Big Ten hasn't been back for all that long, but he's been tearing it up so far, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he didn't score a touchdown, I think, in the first game, but he really answered the call uh, in, in the next game. And uh, Tanner Morgan, he makes Tanner Morgan look really good. Like, he's going to get Tanner Morgan drafted. So, <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> very nice, very nice. All right, so we're starting here from 12 to 9 so far. Chuba Hubbard, Kyle Pitts, Trey Lance, and Rashad Bateman. Uh, that just goes to show how strong this class is. Both Lance and Bateman were being viewed coming into the season, and I guess we could even say pre-COVID, as potential top three, top five picks in this draft, you see them here at 9 and 10 in Travis's rankings. And after our break, we'll go through, uh, we'll count from 8 down to 5. Folks, 2020 has been a crazy year, and they're very uncertain times, scary times to some degree. And I think 
protecting your loved ones and your family is a high, high priority, but, but you want to do it safely. And, and the people at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better self-defense. So, you know, Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection advices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse, yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. I mean, guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker, and it's often ineffective. So Taser products are safer and easier to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you to time your escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon firing. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with a Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Uh, alt, uh, law enforcement theme, you can, now that you can use a, a Taser, the number one choice of law enforcement agencies, which is a great aspect as well. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart defense products. Um, Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. You get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with our promo code NFL. Um, also, you can save 15% now at taser.com, promo code NFL, spelled taser, T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code NFL. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, Travis, let's get back to it. Who would be your eighth-ranked prospect, the potential 1.08 in a Superflex rookie draft in 2021? So uh, this this segment is going to be super Alabama-heavy, so I apologize to my fellow uh, <laughs> okay. fellow Auburn fans and other SEC fans. Just just make it through. I promise it'll be okay. But Jalen Waddell is my number eight. Uh, I think some, some might have him over his teammate that is still healthy and playing, but Jalen Waddell... Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to perform and put up uh, the crazy combine numbers I think he is capable of doing. Uh, I, th- I just have more questions about the whole draft process for him now that he's injured and he's going to miss the rest of the season. And uh, you hate to see it because he was a player that, yeah. you know, he had to sit there and wait for his chance, right? I mean, he had Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith ahead of him. Uh, and just, you know, he made plays in the return game. But he only accounted for like 15% or so of the receiving offense for Alabama last year. And that was his peak. Uh, so he, he hadn't really shown that he could really carry a, an offense by himself. Uh, but this year, uh, he looked like he could. Uh, had at least five catches in all four games where he completed the game this year. Had like eight catches, five catches, six catches, six catches. At least 120, <laughs> at least 120 receiving yards in every single game to open up the season. So he was answering the call. He was answering any questions that we might have and still showing that he was just one of the best deep threats in the game, averaging like 22 plus yards per reception. So I think a lot of NFL people are going to say, okay, I don't really care that he couldn't, you know, be 100% at the combine. I know he's got that twitch. I know he's got the speed. I know he's got a lot going on. He's a difference maker and he's probably going to sneak into the first round and get that capital anyway. So that's why he's here. He could be higher if he was healthy, but man, uh, his potential is just bonkers. Like I, I, he's his efficiency as a kick returner and punt returner was one of the best of all time. So I think NFL decision makers are going to look at him and say, "Yeah, not a complete profile. Yeah, we didn't see a bunch because he had a bunch of first round teammates, 
but I'm okay with that anyway. And he's a little bit older as well, right? Well, I, I don't think he's, I mean, coming out, uh, he's not like he's going to be super old. Like, he's not like a 23-year-old rookie or 24-year-old rookie. He's, not, he's no Van Jefferson, but uh, yeah. He's a smaller guy, right. but he's not bashful. Huh? I mean, he's a tough Bama, as you would imagine, go over the middle, take hits type of player, huh? Yeah, and I think uh, he can avoid all the hits anyway. He just so he basically he basically teleports. So it's it's crazy that he got injured. He just plays in a way like he is invincible, uh, but uh, he's got the agility to add the yak as as has been demonstrated in in the games we have seen him play. Travis, who's your number seven prospect in this class? Keeping it with the Crimson Tide, I'm going to go with running back Najee Harris, uh, a player that I was skeptical of just because, I mean, frankly, when you watch him run, it's interesting because he's a huge person. He runs kind of upright, uh, and and he, you know, his first season, he didn't really catch many passes. Second season, he didn't really catch many passes. Finally, this past, you know, 2019, he actually caught like 27 balls, I think 300-something receiving yards, a half dozen scores, looked like he was – contributing as a receiver and I'm excited to see how he really fills out that part of his profile down the stretch this year now that Jalen Waddell is out in the two games that Waddell has been hurt and out he has six receptions in those two games so I think we could see a guy that says hey I'm the next Le'Veon Bell except I'm bigger like you know like that kind of guy that that would be a potentially nearly as athletic, slightly smaller version of Derrick Henry. He's, he's a really weird prospect because we don't really have a, a singular good cop for him. But he's a guy that has the, the recruiting pedigree dating back to, you know, when he was probably 15 years old, just running over everybody. Uh, and now he's looking like he's the real deal at Alabama against some of the toughest competition in the country, putting up like not a, not a half dozen, you know, receptions, but a half dozen, almost half dozen touchdowns in a game uh, this year. So, uh, not many questions with him as much as I did coming into this year. You know way more about him than I do, but it, he just screams NFL second-round pick to maybe a good situation too. Yes, and, and I think there's only going to be one. There's only one surefire first-round running back pick in this class, mm-hmm. and he isn't it. Like he, I think he's a top 50 pick. I think he's he's a top 50 guy. Um, he could sneak into pick 27, pick 28, but I think I, I would not be surprised at all, especially given the, the trend at the position and how teams invest capital-wise. He could be just you know early day two, uh, and that's perfectly fine because that'll be the second running back off the board. All right, Travis, number six. Number six, I'm going to go homer pick because I am a boilermaker. Yeah, so uh, Purdue boilermaker wide receiver Rondale Moore uh, really, really short guy, but he can bench small trucks and and squat, you know, semi trucks. Like he, the the kid showed up like the summer before college, and he was I'm pretty sure he was squatting 600 something pounds when he was like just turned 18 years old. And so he's just a freak, bursty, twitchy, just next level. Like imagine like Tyreek Hill, fast and twitchy, but you know with no off field concerns. Like that's that's the kind of player we're talking about. Uh, a guy who can just be a nightmare, you know, coming on a, on a jet sweep, but then he can also burn you deep. You can just, he can turn a slant from, you know, three yards into 60, 70, 80 yard touchdowns. Uh, and, and as a true freshman, having a 2,200 all purpose yard season and winning the Paul Hornung Award for being the most versatile player in all of college football at age 18, like, 
it's insane what he did early on in his career. It's a shame that he was er, uh, injured early last year, and we only got to see like four games. And this year, he's actually still not playing, probably still not going to play this coming weekend. I just hope we get maybe a few games more to add to his resume since he did opt back in for the 2020 season. But, I mean, he was running a legit 4-3-3 in high school. So he's no questions with his profile other than maybe his height. I mean, he's thickly built, though, huh? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And and it's not like he's not injury prone. Like it was a it was like a weird hyperextended knee situation that kind of messed up some ligaments that that put him out last year. So I just want to see him on the field. And man, he's just going to destroy the combine. And he's yet another guy who is being thrown around at one point as a possible top two or three pick. So once again, showing the depth of this class, Travis, finish off this segment with your number five player in the 2021 class. Number five, I'm going to go back to Alabama just to frustrate all the Auburn people and other SEC <laughs> fans. But Devontae Smith, uh, I, I have him. I know a lot of people have Jalen Waddle over him, even still with the injury. But we're looking at a guy that he was seriously the, the most productive wide receiver on, a, on the team last year with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle still there. Like he, he took control of the offense, especially in the Ole Miss game where I think he had like four scores. But, I mean, he is a dominator as far as a route runner. He's a little skinny, and so maybe there's some questions there. That's probably going to be the thing that gets nitpicked to death. But I think he's going to have a good enough 40. I think he's going to have good enough everything. Um, you know, It's not like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy wowed us necessarily at the Combine this year, but he's going to be a top 15 draft pick. I would say second wide receiver off the board. It seems what I, the little I know of him, his best attribute is his tape. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think if you talk to very many people at all, it's like, look, I, he's super polished. I don't have any questions. Let's next question. Like I, I, he's mm-hmm. going highly. That That's the vibe I get from most people uh, that, you know, know or have connections with real NFL decision makers. All right, Travis, after our break, we'll come back and finish off with your top four players in this class. Folks, I've told you about Built Bar many times, but there is even more uh, amazing flavors coming out. Here are the six new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcata, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. To go along with the already dozen existing flavors. Um, I've told you before, too, my wife is kind of a chocolate connoisseur. And some of these bars that you get, she doesn't like the chocolate covering because she says it tastes waxy. And I know it's exactly what she's saying. Not at all true with Built Bar. They're also soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy. They help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for folks on the keto diet. Um, you know, for example, here is, let me pick one of these for you. Coconut almond has 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Um, here is cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. So, Built Bar has reset the promo code for this this relaunch. Um, you can also get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, and you get 20% off your next order. So, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com.
Travis, we are back. We're ready for your top four players. And looking at the names I, I jotted down before we started, it's just all stars and all studs <laughs> left. If you end up with the top four pick in that super flex format, you're getting a future superstar, in my opinion. Who's the number four player? It's crazy that this guy's going to be number four. But, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver, opted out of this whole year, but seriously had 20 touchdowns uh, just a year ago in the national championship run, playing for the best college offense of all time with Joe Burrow and, and uh, you know, Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Justin Jefferson. It was just star-studded everywhere. And I, I haven't even mentioned his teammate Terrace Marshall tonight, but he's probably going to be in the conversation for first round as well. Um, but Jamar Chase, uh, what he did, if you look at just his adjusted production metrics, he's just off the charts, like near 90th percentile in just every way you look at it. Uh, and, and really what's impressive to me, he has such a, a deep average depth of target, yet still has a well above average catch percentage. He just wins. Even, even if he hasn't burned his defender by seven yards, like he just wins. And I, I think I, I love that. He's, he's a really well-balanced player that can play outside. He, he could shift inside, but I think he, the best way he's going to win is going to be as a deep threat and yak threat uh, at the next level. But, I mean, last year averaging, what, 21.2 or 3 yards per reception. Uh, and I don't really have any questions as far as his route running. Just schematically, because of what LSU does, they do a lot of stacking and, and, and don't have their wide receivers face press coverage like almost ever. So maybe there's some questions there, but uh, Chase is going to be the wide receiver one. Like probably, I mean, he, he could be a top five or six pick in the uh, overall in the NFL draft. So that's the kind of potential player he is. I mean, just from a rookie draft perspective, is there a little bit of a gap after him? Do you just want to get in this neighborhood and you're happy with any of them? Yeah, I think it is. I think there will every year we have like these arbitrary thresholds like, hey, this is the cutoff. But and there's always one or two guys that just based on opportunity makes that tier one or two players deeper than we think. And uh, but right now, there's in my mind, there's certainly a cutoff at four. Okay, Travis, who's the number three player? Number three, and I still can't believe he's number three, but in super flex formats, you got to value the quarterback position. So I'm going to go with Travis Etienne, running back Clemson. I know everybody just watched him get stuffed a bunch this past weekend against Notre Dame because they have like the highest stuff percentage uh, of, I think, any team in the country dating back over like the last 18 to 20 games. So they're really good at stopping the run game. But what I love about Etienne is that he is a home run threat on every single play. He's got two consecutive seasons where he had over 1,600 rushing yards. But, you know, we had questions about his receiving profile after his first two seasons, and he answered the call with that last year, having over 30 catches, finishing, accounting for, I think, about just over 10% of Clemson's receiving yards from the running back position. And, and this year, he's actually going to finish even higher. Uh, he's, he's already well above that pace. I think before this past weekend, he was around 15, 16% of the team's receiving yards. Uh, but thanks to the ascension of uh, Cornell Powell, the fifth-year senior there, he's, he's not perhaps going to see this same insane wide receiver two market share that, that uh, he had been seeing. But Travis Etienne, just he's the most complete back with the most elite, I think, athletic profile, uh, well-rounded profile of any back in this class. He's not as thick necessarily as Najee Harris, but he screams, his profile screams mid-first round type talent and, and above. We thought he would already be on an NFL roster, another player yeah. in this group <laughs> that uh, – that 
uh, turned his back on the NFL draft a year ago and went back to college. So just thinking about the, the 10 players you've covered so far, ETN, Devontae Smith, uh, and, uh, and Chuba Hubbard all could have been in this 2020 class. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But they're just that good. I it's it, this year would have been even more crazily stacked. Hasn't had those guys been inside it, but yeah, they, them returning made this class super intriguing. Is there a big gap from ATN to Hubbard? Yeah, I think so. I think coming into the year, there was like a big three. It was ETN, it was Harris and Hubbard. And now Hubbard's dropped down. Uh, and the more I've dug into it, and the more we've seen ETN just kind of assert himself even further, uh, it's kind of like a more definitive one, two, and the rest of everyone else situation now. Okay. Yeah, for for me at least, I, I don't want to speak for you, Travis. For me, Hubbard is closer to whoever would be four, five, six than he is. Yeah. Than he is. Oh one. yeah. I mean, I've been considering guys like even like Javante Williams of North Carolina. Like yeah. he's in the same tier as Chuba Hubbard now. All right. If you follow college football, if you play Devi Dynasty leagues, uh, if you are. Uh, if you have had your television on on a Saturday, you know who these top two players are going to be. Give it to us, Travis. Who's number two? Number two is Justin Fields, but it's not because I don't think he can be number one. Uh, I think actually this summer for fantasy football for a super in-depth Debbie league uh, where you can own college players before they go to the pros, I actually picked Justin Fields over uh, my number one pick. But Justin Fields, Ohio State right now, just because I think – Number one is just obviously going to be the first overall pick. Justin Fields isn't quite in that conversation just yet. But we haven't even really seen the best of Justin Fields yet, I don't think. Because Justin Fields hasn't had a, a, the, well, the same opportunity to fill out his complete resume because of you know somebody convinced him to go to Georgia and sit behind Jake Fromm. Uh, and, and laughably, he actually did sit behind Jake Fromm. Uh, Georgia continually, they, they just love like single A quarterbacks from Idaho. Like, you know, <laughs> like they just, if they ever get a quarterback, they're going to be, you know, national champions for like seven years in a row. But man, it's bad. It's just bad. They messed that up consistently because Justin Fields, yeah. when he got to Ohio State, slam dunk. I mean, since he's started, well, since the beginning of 2019, 52 touchdowns to three interceptions. And wow. this year, like, Almost 14 adjusted yards per pass attempt when you kind of build in the touchdowns to, t- to interception ratio and a few other things. I mean, he has essentially the perfect profile. And we've known this kid was going to be a pro since he was in high school. He was on Netflix's QB1 series as a high school kid. And he's just – he and, and Trevor Lawrence, who – I mean, they, they've just been the guys for forever. And so I've, I almost have no questions with Fields. And what's really impressive – is he has such incredible deep accuracy. Like Chris Olave, who he's going to basically, well, maybe get him drafted inside the first round. Uh, he has one of the deepest average depth of targets in the league last year and had a dozen scores last year because Fields hits him pinpoint accuracy, 18, 24, 36 yards downfield. Um, and he just he just always looks to make the play and always magically pulls it off. Like against teams that aren't Clemson, He's, he's got like 50 touchdowns to one interception. So uh, just a bonkers profile of a player. I really do believe, and of course this could change, but I, I think the first two picks are going to be quarterbacks in the NFL draft to the Jets and Jags, almost slam dunk, no, no doubt about it. 
Yeah, that probably is going to be that, just be, especially given the nature of this league today. And given that, you know, Justin Fields, now he's putting a second season on display that's just bonkers. So I think it's still not going to be Fields at, at one, but I could be wrong. I think I think he's only getting better, and he has the, the crazy mobility to go along with it. He's super impressive. Travis, you've already mentioned the name. Go ahead and make it official. Who's the number one pick in this format? I'm going to go with the golden locks of Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) That's going to be the number one pick for me here. Uh, And again, it's not because I think that there's a big gap between him and Fields. I think for a lot of people there is because, you know, oh, they're going to look back and go, oh, he beat Alabama 44 to 16 in the national championship. Uh, And he beat Justin Fields. And we get this idea in our head because everyone loves the QB wins stat for no reason. That, uh, you know, he's so much better than Fields. And I think they're right there. I think they're different passers, but they're right neck and neck. And Trevor Lawrence, I hate to see it, but he's going to be a New York Jet next year. (laughs) It's just so sad that he has to put up with that organization. Hopefully they just clean house uh, just with the the coaches and everything and give him a fresh start because it's not a great place to be right now. So hopefully (laughs) something changes and they don't kill his career. But he's been... Everyone knew that he was just God's gift to the quarterback position since he was like 15 years old. He and Justin Fields were the number one and number two rated players, according to the 24-7 sports composite, of all time. So crazy elite talents. I I cannot wait to see them take the field in the NFL. The optimism I can give Jets fans, though, is the Dolphins looked exactly like you do now 365 days ago. That's true. That's true. And to a... Has already changed things. They completely yep. changed the. Well, it will, Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard for the first few games, <laughs> and then uh, in his short shorts. But now it's Tua. So, Travis, same question we talked about with Kyle Pitts earlier with both Fields and Lawrence. Obviously, um, we've already heard specifically with Lawrence, he's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Things like that. Uh, Fields and Lawrence, how highly do you see them being ranked, being drafted in Superflex? dynasty startup leagues i think they're both immediately top eight quarterbacks just because of the hype that will be generated in between now and the spring because all the things that i just told you about them being the highest rated players and prospects and everyone knew and they'll get you know they'll talk about quarterback one with justin fields and they'll talk about all their touchdowns to interception ratios and there's just the the hype is so easily generated that it's just going to get bonkers with these guys And we've seen, even just in the past few months, uh, how the Dynasty community and Dynasty players have treated uh, specifically the rookie running backs, valuing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the RB1 in some cases. Uh, Jonathan Taylor as the RB1 in some cases as well. And I still like both of those players. I'll be buying them low if I can. But we we were probably a little too aggressive on that. uh, A little bit. And history might repeat itself with Fields, with Lawrence as well. But uh, if they're top eight quarterbacks, if they're seven, eight, nine, they're probably ahead of Dak Prescott, ahead of Josh Allen, guys like that. They're in yeah. that range. Right Sean Watson. With, yeah. Wow. Right with uh, right with Tua, maybe ahead of Tua. Yeah. All right, uh, Travis, that will do it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Travis, our first guest, we were uh, certainly glad to have you on and gave us a lot of information in very quick fashion about what we can expect from the 2021 rookie class. And we'd love to have you back uh, in the spring and the summer to talk about these guys a lot more. 
Yeah, I'd be glad to join you. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, good luck with your other uh, half dozen podcasts you do today and tomorrow <laughs> and the next day. You guys are, are really busy. I really appreciate the grind that you guys put in to make these shows special. So you guys are some of the best to do it. Appreciate you guys. Nice Thank you. Say. We appreciate you. you. We appreciate the kind words. Uh, please make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Remember to follow the show at Locked On Dynasty. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL, and I'm Ryan MC, MC23. We'll be back next time with more Locked On Dynasty.